Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sanabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we get to speak to Tiffany Belfurter and Anthony Ricardo, both leaders in Fusion Academy. Tiffany was a practicing therapist for seven years prior to joining an alternative private school, Fusion Academy. What drew her to Fusion was the mindful approach in seeing the whole child because each classroom is one-on-one. Being that her approach had always been to find the strengths in people and draw them out, Tiffany found Fusion Academy as a playful, dedicated educational setting to fulfill that vision on a larger scale. Seven years after beginning at Fusion, the impact is not only in the self-esteem of the students, but the growth of herself, her staff, and administrative teams at large. Her practice is grounded in gratitude for all the people she has met and how they have inspired her. Tiffany has been the head of school for five years and leads by encouraging the behavior she wants to see. It is important that all around her feel safe, encouraged, and loved to do their best. This way, she has encouraged a team of staff and students to set high goals and to achieve them. One of the greatest rewards in a professional career is to find that job that you are also passionate about. When Anthony was accepted into the New York City Teaching Fellows while working as an undergrad at the Stony Brook University Biochemistry Lab, he quickly realized he could combine his love of science with the calling of working with the most at-risk children. Initially, his journey in the New York City Department of Education began with teaching middle school, but after several years, Anthony had the opportunity to help open the first 100% Spanish-speaking English language learner high school in New York. The entire student population comprised of immigrants in the country for six months or less. It was during this time, while teaching and eventually becoming the assistant principal at the school, where he discovered his love and desire to be an educational leader and administrator. Anthony's passion for developing teachers and working with other school leaders to enhance the educational experience of all stakeholders has led him to explore the many opportunities to expand his knowledge and expertise in this field. His work with new and master teachers drives his enthusiasm to coach and develop the next generation of educators. Anthony realizes now more than ever, teachers need to be better prepared and supported to in turn work with our most precious resource, the young minds of our children. With the current trend in education of how the social-emotional well-being of our students impacts their ability to succeed academically, Anthony is optimistic about the future of pedagogy and is proud to be a part of its influence in any small way. Welcome, Tiffany Belfurter and Anthony Ricardo. How are you? Very good. Excellent. Thank you for having us. 
Oh, we're so excited to have you on our podcast. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yes. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? I'll get started. So right now, I'm the assistant director over here at Fusion Academy. My path to leadership has gone through many different iterations throughout my life, mostly really my education leadership background. As a teacher, I went and got my master's. Once I really got into the life of teaching, I really enjoyed working with teachers, and I really wanted to be a teacher mentor. So I went and got my advanced degree in educational administration and leadership. So I've been assistant principal for about six years, and that is really basically a lot of what my work is now is around working with other professionals, working with teachers, learning how to become a better leader, kind of go on this journey myself, and that's pretty the space I'm in right now. Fantastic. And what about you, Tiffany? I am the head of school at Fusion Academy in Long Island. I've been the head of school here for about four years, maybe going on five. I don't know. Time just flies. We stopped counting after a while, you know. (laughs) I've stopped. I love what I'm doing. I've been Fusion for, it'll be going on seven years now. Prior to that, I was a certified therapist and I worked in hospitals all over Long Island in the city. And leadership, I would dare to say, is something that kind of comes naturally to me. I always kind of felt like if I was able to support the most people, I was able to support them personally, and they're then able to support so many other people that that made all the difference, right? So I'm not just helping one student or one patient, but I'm helping support the people that are also then changing the world themselves. So you mentioned you were a therapist. What kind of therapist? An art therapist, actually. I worked in a variety of different psych hospitals, mainly with adolescents. Now, Fusion Academy, for those of us who don't know what Fusion Academy is, can you tell us a bit about that? Absolutely, I can. We are a private middle and high school, 6th through 12th grade. We're fully accredited. And what makes us kind of unique is that every classroom is just one student and one teacher. So it really allows us to really focus on the whole child. We're kind of both assessing them academically, socially, emotionally, every time they walk into the room. And, you know, as a special ed teacher, this plugs into my heart because it's such a needed service. Now, how would you describe your leadership style? I like to really say it's hands on, hands off. Really, it's kind of changed over the years. In the beginning, you know, as I learned to become a manager and a supervisor, it was really that supervisor relationship. Now, as I got into teaching and coaching realm, it's more about finding out what your teachers or the people that work with you need and what they need for success. So much more becomes servant leadership. We're much more into finding out what you need to succeed and supporting you there. Yeah, we know that it's the teachers that are changing these kids' lives, and it's because they're changing the kids' lives, their whole family system improves and everything else. So my role is how can I best support my admin team and my teachers so that they can bring to the kids what they best need. You know, you mentioned coaching. I happen to believe that you can't really be an effective leader if you don't know how to coach. So tell us about how coaching comes into play. So we are fans of coaching. Both Tiffany and I have spent a lot of time being coached, and we coach all the people that we work with one-to-one. One of them is really about accountability. It's about making commitments. It's about holding your integrity to those commitments, making those commitments achievable. And really, you've got to have a vision. You've got to find out why you're doing it, where you're going, what's the ultimate goal, why you come to work every day. So that's really the playground we love to play in all day long. We're big, big proponents of coaching. It has been a life changer for me, both professionally and personally. 
So it is one of those things that we truly, truly value here. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun because we're in education, right? So we're asking the kids to learn and why should we have stopped, right? So it allows us to focus on our greater good. As you were describing your environment, you mentioned playground, you mentioned play, and you mentioned fun. That's fantastic. (laughs) It makes me very excited about the culture at Fusion Academy. So tell me about that. We would invite you to come see it. It is really only something that it's kind of a theory until you see it live. It's even how we interview. Yeah, we do it a lot. We, in fact, when we interview a teacher, we tell them, this is the Island of Misfit Toys. We like <laughs> to have fun here. We actually mindfully ask questions. It's really about balance, right? Because we this is a profession that's very difficult. It can really stress you out. So we really want to make sure that our teachers and everybody around us are balanced in their life. So one of the questions we always ask on every interview is, how do you play? Because we really want to make sure that you come here with a childlike curiosity, so to speak, and really that becomes the infection, falling in love with learning. We love to learn. We kind of look for people that love to learn. We have a culture of that. We're fun. We're silly. We have a good time. And that's really what it's about, like showing, especially the kids, that you can learn and have a really good time and really flourish as you do it. I love that question. How do you play? (laughs) Well, I feel like we're working with adolescents. So it really is showing up for them in every way. And we don't want to stress them out. We just want to teach a few things, right? So I feel like if we're demonstrating that, that we want to know before you even join the Fusion family, how do you find balance? That's great. All right. So which quotes speak to your life and why? So I love the one, you know, the quote from the Wizard of Oz, where at the very end, she says, you've always had the power. You just had to learn it for yourself when she finds her red slippers. I think it speaks to me because, you know, we all kind of go through a lot. And because of the profession that I chose, it was easy for me to believe in everybody else. Once I started to believe in myself, that I started probably making the greatest impact on others. And I feel like we joined this realm to kind of change the world. And it's really about starting within to be able to help everyone else. So you're one of the crazy ones that want to change the world, like myself. Oh, yeah. I'm not oh. one of them. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for that. Are there any other quotes you want to share? We live in the meme world where all day long we got memes, these really great quotes. And there's right. so many awesome quotes about leadership. And what I find is The quotes change depending on what space I'm in for that particular time. One of the ones that really resonated with me lately is this leadership and learning are indispensable to one another. I am not an effective leader unless I am continually in this realm of learning. And that's what my wheelhouse has been lately. That's where I see I'm most effective. Tell us about a leader who inspires you. You know, I look for inspiration everywhere, all day long, even in a little thing. I get inspired by kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that I learned very early on, and I was talking to Tiffany about this recently, that I remember early in my working career, I was acknowledged by this guy I really respected. And he said, Anthony, you're really, really smart, but you don't know anything. And that was the thing that really kind of resonated with me. Like, hey, you know, it doesn't matter how much intelligence you are. If you're not in this state of constant curiosity, you will never actually take advantage of it. So that was one of the things that really changed me as far as who inspired me. From that point forward, I've always kind of lived with that in the back of my head. How did you respond when someone told you you're really, really smart, but you don't know anything? 
I remember this actually as a young child being told that I had a lot of potential and the, it had the opposite effect on me. It literally shut me down. It paralyzed me because it was not the thing I wanted to be. And what happened is, is once people realize you have potential, now the expectations are raised. And I think that's what happens with a lot of our kids is that, oh, you're told you're really, really smart. You have all this potential. So there's this like stress pressure. yeah, and this pressure to, to live up to those expectations. And it wasn't until somebody said, listen, until you're yourself, until you're comfortable walking in your own skin, none of that's happened. So I think initially it put me back, but now, you know. Great advice. And when we encounter people who are comfortable in their own skin, that's really inspirational. But it takes work to get there, right? Total. It's all about being authentic. And, you know, if you can exude confidence and passion and be authentic, people will gravitate toward you. Mm -hmm. They will know you're not full of it, that there's somebody they want to be around. Yeah, so I'm a big yogi and into meditation. I definitely say there's probably a few people in the mindfulness world that led me, but honestly, very similar to what Anthony said, really even more than that, our students will inspire me more than kind of anything else. I've had some bosses, a former psychologist who really was such an impactful leader, but it was really because he was able to just listen to everybody. I mean, even the founder of Fusion. So Anthony's point of if you're being authentic, Mm -hmm. You're just showing up as your true, genuine self. So much can come of that. I feel like if this is working, this is the easiest job in the world, right? Like I'm just showing up for these kids, for my team, because I love to do it. And I think that it's kind of felt. To piggyback to my quote that I said before, it's showing to the kids that you guys are the ones that are paving the way. Our time is gone. It's you guys that are taking it from here. And I have to tell you, when I first met you at the Connected Summit in Farmingdale, you co-facilitated this workshop and you certainly walk the talk, which is why I approached you to come on the podcast, because what you presented was deep, was true, was authentic. It did speak my language. You are comfortable in your own skin and you're practicing that because we're not comfortable all the time. Maybe there are people who are, but I know for me, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, and I have to mm -hmm. keep working on it. Thank you for that. I think what is a big part of it is we really have found our tribe. I bounce off of each other so well. He inspires me half the time, pushes me to do things I wouldn't totally be comfortable with. So I'm so grateful for that. All right. So what's the best advice you've ever received? It would have to be recently. And probably the game changer for me was to be open, open for everything. It really goes back to like really not knowing anything. But now I'm at a point where I'm just so open to like learning and experiencing new things. Um, I'm going down my own personal journey of wellness and mindfulness and just really enjoying that kind of stuff. So be open is like the one thing that really resonates with me today. What are the benefits of that? I get to experience everything. It's funny because when you're in yourself, it's your world, it's your mind, it's your mind universe, it's what you're seeing. When you're kind of outside of looking at from an objective point of view, you're allowing yourself all these different perspectives, things you never even considered. So that's really the road that's really kind of been fun for me. So being open, it does take work. We're not typically taught that in education. Yeah. So we're also big fans of Carol Dweck and growth mindset. And it is actually one of the things we gave all of our teachers that book. It is more so for the students. And 
language, the way we speak to the students and how we encourage them and the yets and you can do this and I'm right behind you. And that idea that your intelligence is something that can constantly be worked on, constantly improved and having the buy-in around the people around you. We talked about being authentic. If I'm authentic with my teachers and I explain to them like, hey, here's an opportunity for you. I invite you to try this. I invite you to kind of look at it this way. That's the piece of it where everybody kind of gets to play in that openness. Tiffany, what about you? Recently, similarly, almost the theme of my life has been that people do the best they can with what they have. The reason why I kind of really love that statement, which is kind of a new statement for me, is that I'm generally meeting families when they are second guessing themselves. They question the decisions that they made. And I feel like I'm constantly listening to them and recognizing without question. You did the best for your kids. I know that you're trying to show up for them. That journey just led you to where you are here today. And who knows what this next chapter will bring. And I see that a lot when I'm meeting new families because it's so easy to question yourself. Want to do the best for others. You can get stuck in kind of a feedback loop of why did I say that or why did I do that or why didn't I do this and I could have done better or more. Did they really know what I was thinking or what I meant? And I feel like getting that sense, that feedback that we're always doing the best we can with what we have takes us down a notch, you know, and kind of holds up the mirror and says, listen, I'm, I'm trying, right? And you know, that's pretty insightful. It's powerful because what you're doing is you're thinking the best of others. And you know, the way that affects us when someone thinks the best of me, even when I blow it, that does a couple of things. I feel more connected to that person. I feel that that person values me even though I blew it. So the fact that as a leader, you add value to those around you is a very powerful thing, Tiffany. Thank you. You know, so many times I hear how much potential people think that they have, right? But you kind of have to see it yourself, right? And it's hard to look in that mirror. It's hard to look in the mirror sometimes when we can be critical of ourselves and see the positives, right? Mm -hmm. So I love to focus on that and live there a little bit. I guess I can come off as Mary Poppins sometimes too with that mindset. But but then um, you have Anthony right there. <laughs> to bring me down to earth, right? Well, or just to help you with whatever thinking needs to happen, being open about anything. So that's great. What a team. Yeah, we think so. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I've heard you say tribe. I've heard you talk about team. So what does it mean to you to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? Uh, so I love this because I've been very blessed to be able to handpick my team. I'm also very grateful that most of my team, if they're leaving me, it's because they're promoted from within. So I really value that as well. I would dare to say that the thing that we all have in common is a similar why. We're kind of joining this, we're doing this with the right purpose. I don't know what questions it is in the interview. Maybe it's the how do you want to play, right? But I seem to do collaborate really well with and find a team that is really kind of showing up for themselves too, right? They're hard workers, they're motivated from within. So I feel like the combination between the passion and really doing it for the right reasons is primarily what I'm looking for my teammates. I look forward to Anthony's answer really because I'm doing it with my admin members primarily. We're doing it together with the teachers, but it's all of these people that are gonna affect our students, which is what makes the most important part. 
One of the things that I've recognized through my long, illustrious working career is that it's very rare that you're in a situation where you get to work with a team that's firing on all cylinders. Sometimes it's a little bit of luck, but as I've kind of moved into education, what I'm realizing is as long as everybody has a common goal, that we all have built consensus on, that we all realize that this is the common goal and the other piece is really putting people in the right spots on the bus. We're very cognizant of being playing to our strengths, recognizing our weaknesses, using those as opportunities and gaps. That's where the coaching piece really comes in. We're very accountable to one another as an admin team. We all meet individually, one-to-one. We all have commitments to one another. Tiffany and I both close the loop. We try to close the loop mostly. And, and <laughs> getting there. Getting there to make sure that, you know, whatever the teacher or whoever staff need, member needs, we're there to support it. And communicate it. Yeah, back. communicate it. And realizing that the best part about it is having fun while you're doing it. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's all about the play. I mean, we have a great time together as our, our admin team, which is about six of us, but we are extremely productive. We have doubled the school in size in a year from this team. So the living with each other's successes and the personal stuff, like that kind of stuff is what makes me get up out of bed and run here in the morning. Yeah, right before the 4th of July, Anthony and I are sitting in a meeting in my room, you know, talking about numbers, heavy things, whatever it may be, and we hear the ice cream truck. <laughs> we're, like, you know, we're like 11 all over again. We got ice cream for every human in the building at that time, right? I feel like that play piece is just so important. You know, they know that we're here for them. Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Master Leadership at Schools podcast program will help prepare your students for any future they encounter. Teachers and students learn effective leadership and podcasting skills to create a platform that's an incubator for leadership, innovation, collaboration, and creativity. See this in action at masterleadership.org forward slash MLS and find out how to bring this to your organization. That's masterleadership.org forward slash MLS. You said a lot of wonderful things. You said that you play to their strengths or you work on strengths, Mm -hmm. which is typically or traditionally not the way we approach education. Tell me why focusing on strengths rather than on challenges or weaknesses is important. One of the things I get to do is do our teacher observations and I do the coaching with the teachers. And I came from the, the New York City Department of Education where you only got a satisfactory or an unsatisfactory. There was no in-between. It's a little bit different. I get to actually sit, watch my teachers, see what they do really, really well, and point that out to them and say, man, I want you to continue doing that. Like, that is really something that is amazing. You do it really, really well. And that is the kind of stuff that people, because they realize I'm behind what they do really, really well, They'll also give me the effort to go after the stuff that they don't do as well. Because if I can get them to realize it's a process, something that you're going to be really good at some things, you're going to not be as well at other things. And as long as you're continually willing to work on all those pieces, everything rises exponentially. Your strengths and your weaknesses kind of balance out after a while. So that is one of the things. We're big cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Tiffany talked to me about all about putting exclamation points and emails <laughs> and, and really getting behind like tiffany says this reward the behavior you yeah. want to see and we're really about that play to your strengths do the thing you do really well what we've realized is you're going to be the similar teacher that you were as a student in high school so if you were that studious student you're going to be a studious teacher if you were the cool kid in school you're going to be the cool teacher it really kind of balances out and so understanding what you're really good at what you're weak at 
I am terrible at taking notes and executive <laughs> functioning stuff. I don't take notes in a meeting, but willingly saying, hey, listen, I'm not really, really good at this. You're really, really strong at that. Let's work together. And that's the balance. Right? Everybody can't be the best player on the team. Like if you have a baseball guy, a guy can hit, but he might not field as well. There are people who can pick up that slack. So that's really what we talk about, like playing the strengths, working on weakness. We all work as a team. I appreciate Anthony saying almost my Tiffanyism, right? Promote the behavior you want to see. I think that's such a therapeutic milieu, right? Where it's, people want to be recognized for things. Human nature. You want the attention. You want to feel cared for. And it's what kind of attention are you getting? And if you're getting attention for the positive things, you're more likely to show up in positive ways. What's incredible about that, I feel like it innately raises self-esteem. It's like a train. You don't need a motor in both the front and the back of the train, the engine that drives us forward, right? So even right. things that it's not so easy or not so comfortable with eventually drives forward. And so always finding opportunities to promote the behavior you want to see. It just opens people up and it's a wise thing to do. So thank you so much for sharing that. So can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it's shaped your life? One of the things that I've actually had occur to me is I was in a situation where I had to choose between doing the right thing and going against an administrator. That was probably one of the toughest things that I've ever occurred professionally. It definitely impacted me. Is it better to have integrity and putting your head on the pillow at night or doing something that you know is not right deep in your core and being able to walk away from that and say, I would much rather do the thing that's full of integrity as opposed to doing the thing that was easy. And I actually had to walk away from education for a few years because of it. It gave me a very different perspective on it. It was an extreme challenge, but I learned a lot from it. I learned that you can do the right thing and overcome it. And probably in hindsight now that I've kind of got through it, it's something that I wouldn't hesitate to do again. So that's kind of the thing about my challenges is that it might've shaped my life. It might've given me like this really, really bad situation at the time, but having learned from it, I understand that now it's more about, I would be much rather known for having integrity and doing the right thing. Can you get a little deeper about that? Yeah, I can get a little bit, not too much, but kind of important, especially on the realm of education and as right. an administrator. So I was actually told to give certain teachers unsatisfactory rates prior to even seeing them. Hopefully this does not happen anywhere. Hopefully this is like a very rare thing. But it was one of those things where administrators or leaders will have this. You have a very good situation, especially if you're an administrator in a public school. You are making a good chunk of change. It's not easy to just walk away from that. And if you're not willing to kind of stand up for that, you can kind of get sucked into it where you're just doing it and you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I think if I would have done that, I think it would have slowly killed me. I think slowly it would have killed every sort of spirit or motivation to do what I do for the love of the profession of teaching. And so that was kind of the thing where I realized that poor leaders or unethical leaders really can impact a school drastically. In fact, that school that I was at, out of 45 teachers, 35 left the next year. So tremendous disaster when it came to what not to do. But the personal journey for me, I learned a lot. I probably wouldn't change anything. I value Anthony for sharing such a personal story. 
Mine is a little bit lighter and easier, honestly. I worked in psych for seven years prior to coming to Fusion. And psych hospitals often work on insurance. And I did work in an incredible hospital under an incredible mentor who really would take the hit financially if it meant doing the best thing for the kids. But I dare to say that that led to it going bankrupt and not existing anymore. So it was a very interesting journey because I really saw people only doing the right things consistently. What was hard about it is that then everyone ended up having to move on, right? And losing their jobs. But I was one of the last therapists hired there for my unit working with the kids. I was only there for about two years and I was the last one to walk out my final patient. And it's interesting because he was a 16 or 17 year old trans boy, six foot three, something like that. And when he left, like he didn't let go of the hug. I feel like right there without words, you were kind of able to say like, the value of your service. Right. And like, this was safe. Thank you way louder than words could ever provide. So that was incredible. But I'll be honest, like, again, kind of to Anthony's point, if it wasn't for the closing of that hospital, I wouldn't have found Fusion Academy. Mm. Now, six, seven years later, I feel like we're able to change these students' perceptions of themselves in ways that allow them to do things they themselves and their families ever thought possible. And we're just able to celebrate in so many successes all the time. So you got to go through the hard to appreciate. What we learned from this too is that you may risk a lot in doing the right thing. We don't see the big picture. We don't see around the corner. But doing the right thing and doing something that is courageous like what you both described, it speaks volumes to your character and how it does shape your character in ways that is so valuable because I know those decisions were not easy. And those are things that come up in our lives that we don't expect to come up and then we have to make this call. So I honor you for your courage in doing the right thing, even though it was really, really hard. Thank you. All right. So can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? Two things. It would be becoming a teacher, becoming a father. Um, oh, yay. I will say this, that I became a better teacher after I became a father. Yes. So I would say that <laughs> totally those would be my great straight up, without doubt. Very similarly, I feel like I would have to bring up my kids. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, almost five and almost three. It's such a mom answer, but 100% they are my greatest successes. That's a great answer. I say that all the time. I became a better teacher after I became a parent. And then I wanted to apologize to all the parents. (laughs) I mean, I found some really good teachers that aren't parents. But yeah, for me, it definitely changed. You know what it really changed was I realized how much I value teachers taking care of my kids. Knowing that parents are entrusting us because they're with us probably more than their parents sometimes. So really taking that responsibility to a whole nother level once I became a parent. It's not about being nice or being liked. It's about doing what's right for the kids. So being a parent, I feel like you see it firsthand. That important perspective. Yes, it's easy to translate that tough love is important. Fantastic. Okay. So many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? 
Well, we're in education, so we better be continuing to learn, right? It's part of the... Well, you know, sadly, that's not always the case. Well, Anthony is the king of professional development. So I feel like we're kind of constantly taking a pulse of what the needs are, either on campus or of our students, and just figuring out from there and seeing what experts we need to enlist, what information we need to learn and share. I mean, personally, I've got three books going constantly, and the PhD in educational psychology will be on the docket eventually. I'm putting it out there so I hold myself accountable. <laughs> this is recorded too, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> It's just a matter of being in touch with what's around us and mm -hmm. seeing the needs and what the needs are. You can't be an expert in everything, right? right? There's so many different opportunities. I mean, when I first started with Fusion Academy, executive functioning was the big buzzword, right? And about two years later, 2E, everyone's talking about twice exceptional and the whole thing and so on and so forth. And I feel like the plan is in education to develop the next generation. That's an always evolving sense because who my parents were, to who I was, to who our kids are going to be, to who my own kids are going to be, are so many different generations. And you have to learn who they are and what they need, whether that's our students, our teachers, and ourselves. It's always about being curious constantly. We live in a great time. You know, you can get on the computer, something like YouTube. I think a billion people go on it per day. One third of those people are going to learn something. So we're like in a world of people that are constantly curious. There's people around you that are willing to learn, people willing to share their ideas. So that is one of the things that's really exciting because I get to do that. There's always different avenues. And one day I want to learn a little bit about this. And one day I'll read a chapter on this book. And then in the morning I'll read this book. In the evening I'll read this book. So it's this constant barrage of information that I'm like <laughs> given all day. I'm just soaking it in. Sometimes it's overload to an extreme. But, you know, I'm having fun with it. And there's balance. And there's sometimes I'm just learning how to be relaxed or, you know. To be still, right? <laughs> so that's a work in progress for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just this idea of this constant journey. Like there's times in your life, in my life for sure, where I knew the answers and I knew what to do and I knew how to get what I needed to get. And then there's times in your life where you're kind of like, I want to find out the answers. And so it's either I'm enlightened or I'm on the search. And that's kind of the balance that's been my world. You know, I coined this term, addicted to learning, addicted to creating. Mm. And it sounds like you're both. Sure. Okay, so if there were something you could change in education, what would that be? What a loaded question. Right. <laughs> I will say this, straight up standardized testing. One of the things that I think that kills us with standardized testing is that once you standardize a test, you've now standardized what takes place in the classroom. And you're not allowing the teacher to actually have any sort of flexibilities because now, regardless if the kid has to take a test, the teacher has to teach to that test. And I think some school districts are kind of going this route. I would much rather have the kid give me a reflection and tell me what they had learned. That would be much more value for me. Like, I just went on this journey with you for a year. What did you take away from it? Because as a teacher, I'm always trying to reflect on my practice and get better at it. Test scores tell me, hey, how many percentage of the kids were able to perform for three hours on this exam? But it really doesn't tell me how they internalized it, what they learned from it, how they connected it to them and their world around them. So that's the one thing I would change for sure. Anthony put it very 
distinctively with the standardized testing, I would say just kind of generally focusing on the whole child. Mm-hmm. Sir Ken Robinson over a decade ago did all these videos to identify that we are still living in an educational system that was meant to turn out factory workers, right? And we don't do that anymore, right? We're in a world of innovation and creativity and why not spark that? So just looking at the whole child, like who comes into the classroom, their strengths and plant that seed. Now, what have you read, watched, or listened to that our listeners should as well and why? I think right now, if you're in education, the one book you should definitely read is Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she's written a couple of books. She's pretty much the expert on the growth mindset in education. What she's really good is kind of giving you the words of how you build growth mindset in students. When you saw when we did our presentation at Long Island Connected, this is a big issue as far as kids are just not equipped to fail. They're not equipped to have any sort of challenges. They become very isolated and a lot of their challenges are removed from them before they even get to the high school. So they're not really equipped to deal with anything that's sometimes not fair or something that doesn't go right. And being able to handle that emotionally, being able to support kids, I would definitely say any educator should read that. And then we're big fans of coaching. And if you're willing to like work on coaching and working with each other as a coaching relationship and mindfulness as a part of that, get onward by Elena Aguilar and start thinking of how you can help develop your team. Like those are the two books I would say should be on your desk tomorrow. Yeah. A few names that always kind of stick out for me is Carol Dweck, Brene Brown, even podcasts and things like you are working with right here. I feel like there's always an opportunity to make a commute, an opportunity to get a little wisdom. I'm big on podcasts and audiobooks as well. Especially master leadership, right? Exactly. (laughs) And you know what? That's so spot on. This is one of the reasons why I started this, because it just removes any excuse for not learning, for not growing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now, you have a lot of responsibilities. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? (sighs) So I feel like Anthony's breath said a lot of it in what is his. I'm big on yoga and meditation personally, but also I start and end every day with gratitude. I'm hoping that I instilled a little bit of mindfulness to my buddy here. Our job can put a lot of weight on your shoulders. In fact, do hear some of the worst things you could possibly imagine happening with a child. And to not take that home and being able to kind of not let that impact you. So that's the one thing, being very mindful, relaxing. I totally do not do wellness good. <laughs> well, <laughs> well. <laughs> so, um, and if that is kind of like my gap and my opportunity, something I'm kind of like striving for. So if there's anything, it would be to practice wellness would be the thing that I'm trying to work on. <laughs> well, thank you. You're practicing authenticity, which is great. Right. And, humility. Yeah, and humility. humility, which is very connected to wisdom. So you're on the right track. Tiffany, you said something that to me speaks volumes. You said you start and end with gratitude. Most of the effective leaders I've spoken to speak to this. Why is this so important? So I remember hearing the college professor in Harvard that does classes on happiness. It was through him the first time that said, every day list three things that you're grateful for. And, you know, it's something that I kind of played with, but I feel like you could kind of do like rote things, friends, family, health, 
Similar to promoting behavior you want to save, the more things that you recognize that you're grateful for, the more things you become that you have that you are grateful for. Oftentimes, a lot of things that we've discussed here is just so able to recognize in just a different way. What am I grateful for today? What are the experiences that I had that get me so fired up and excited or make me able to lay my head gently at night are all things that just take me into gratitude. So for me now, right before I go to bed, and then the first thing I do when my alarm goes off is just write a quick little list of gratitude. Thank you. Now here's a fun but deep question. If you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? So about leadership, I feel like just kind of almost about life that you're doing the right things, honestly, because I'm an overthinker and I would tend to second guess myself and I feel like the hard work or the spin of my wheels was all for my purpose and my greater good. And now I can kind of reference it as aiming towards my best self. So just going back to say, keep it up, babe, you got it. How about you, Anthony? I think really the big takeaway for me now is I would have told myself to spend the time building the relationships. As we realize radical candor, our fierce conversations, those are all relationship-based. You can't be an effective leader unless you build a relationship where the people underneath you trust you. And when you give them feedback that they know that you need it in their best interest. So that's what I would say, build relationships. Fantastic. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? so much but the one thing i would definitely like to impart on everybody is i cannot undervalue the need for having a vision for your life your career your family your relationships and focus on the steps that you need to take to achieve that vision best way of living for me and being authentic as you're doing it because a wise woman once told me that we all wear many masks and it's hard to kind of balance all of that. So if you're able to kind of strip away all that extra stuff and who we believe that we're supposed to be when we walk into a room and your genuine authentic self, that people show up for that and people can read that. And I think it's where we have the most fun. And regardless if we're in front of dozens of people at that educator summit that we're at, or our students or our teachers or each other or our friends, you know, and our families, it's just being who you truly are. Great. Now, how could our listeners learn more about Fusion and get in touch with you if they wanted to? You can go to the main website, which is fusionacademy.com. And then 50, how many schools? 55. 55 schools across the country. And we're the only one in Long Island. You can check us out. You can start there and just see the incredible work that our teachers are doing with our students. Every classroom is one student, one teacher. So we're focusing on the you that shows up to me every day and bringing them to their best selves and teaching them some chemistry and history and all that along the way. Well, Anthony and Tiffany, I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much for having us. Total pleasure. All right. So have a fantastic day. You too. Bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite 
that leader in you.